Good morning and welcome. We're, we're glad that you're here today. We're always, always glad to have visitors with us and we have several today and we want you to know that you are an honored guest. We want to encourage you to come back and be with us at every opportunity that you might have. We're thankful for the work of the church here. We've got a lot of good people and it might be the case that you're looking for a church home and I think that you would find that the church here would be a blessing to your life as it has blessed many, many people down through the years. We think we've got a great thing going and we want to keep it moving in the right direction. We're grateful for our elders, our deacons, for every member. And we've, let me just mention this, we've got a great group of young folks. And if you have young, young people and you're looking for a church home, I promise you, you won't find a better youth group than the one that we have. And maybe, maybe I am prejudiced, but I really believe we've got some great, great young folks. We're going to be looking today at James chapter 4, verse 4, as we think about the world. And really the thrust of our study today is this. Don't let the world destroy your faith. When we think about the world, many people automatically assume we're talking about the universe the earth, the globe. Well, that's not what we're talking about today. We can have an appreciation for the beauty of the handiwork of Almighty God. God has blessed us immeasurably on planet earth. But there is a sphere that is identified as the world by the New Testament writers. And that spiritual sphere is that which alienates one from God and is dominated by the devil. That is the spiritual sphere that the Bible warns us about and encourages us to rise above. John would say, love not the world, neither the things which are in the world. James in chapter 4, verse 4, talks about those who make friendship with the world. And he said, in so doing, they become the enemies of God. I want us to begin by talking for a moment or two about the deceiver of the world. As we think about the deceiver of the world, it would be helpful for us to understand that there are some terms that are used to identify this deceiver. The Bible tells us that he is called the tempter in Matthew chapter 4 at verse 3. He is called the enemy in Matthew chapter 13 at verse 19. The wicked one in Matthew 13, 39. And then he is called the ruler of darkness in John 14, verse 30. The one we're talking about is the devil, Satan, the enemy of mankind. Let me ask this question. What is his intent? The Bible clearly states his intent. His intent to deceive. In Revelation chapter 12 at verse 9, John talks about the devil as the deceiver of the whole world. Go back to the Garden of Eden and you'll find that that's exactly what the serpent, the devil, Satan, did 
to Adam and Eve. He deceived them. That's what he seeks to do today, to deceive the hearts and lives of people. He's done a great job. And then the Bible also tells us that he wants to blind people. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4 at verse 4, the Apostle Paul talks about how the God of this age, that is the devil, has blinded the eyes of them which believe not. Look around in our society today. When we talk about making a case for the work of Satan, we can see it. How can we, how can we see the work of Satan on planet Earth today? Well, through his efforts to deceive, through his efforts to blind. I mean, think about our country for a minute. If you wanted to somehow blind people to what is right and wrong, if you wanted to somehow blind people to truth and error, how would you do it? Best way I know to do it, just take the Bible out of the hands of people. In other words, remove the word of God from the hands of people and you've got a real problem. In Hosea chapter 4 at verse 6, Hosea said in the long ago, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Look at the home today. You know why there are a lot of homes in disarray all across our country? It's because men and women have turned a deaf ear to the word of God. They're blinded to what's right and wrong. And then I think about our nation's leaders. The fact that many cannot discern between what is right and wrong, truth and error. Why is that? Because they don't ever take time to read the Bible. They don't know what the Word of God says. If the devil can keep the Word of God closed, then he wins. And he's winning the war today. And then the Scriptures tell us that the devil seeks to ensnare. In other words, he seeks to take people captive. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 at verse 26, Paul talks about those that are taken captive by the devil to do his will. In other words, they become a prisoner of the devil. I know a gentleman that lives in Memphis, member of the church, an elder in the church, that was a prisoner of war in World War II. During his time of captivity, he lost somewhere between 60 and 80 pounds. Why was that? Because he was a prisoner of war. We understand what it means to be a prisoner of war, to be taken captive. Well, spiritually speaking, that's what the devil does. He takes people captive. They have the idea that they're free, that they can do as they please. What they don't understand is they are really the servants of sin, the servants of the devil. And then there is a fourth thing that the devil seeks to do, and that is to devour. Sometimes we think about devour and destroy. Listen to what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 5. Be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, walketh about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. You see, the devil wants to feast upon you. He literally wants to circumvent your faith. He wants to destroy your soul. That's hard for us to understand and to, to imagine. That here is a being that is intent on destroying my soul. The devil doesn't care about me. He's never cared about me. He doesn't care about you. He doesn't care about the young. He doesn't care about the old. 
He doesn't care about the rich, the poor. He doesn't care about the black or the white. He doesn't care about anything other than destroying your soul. That's why Peter said, withstand him steadfast in the faith. There's a second thing I want to call your attention to, and that is the description of the world. As we think about the world, the world that John warns against, I want to begin by talking for a minute about how he characterizes the world. And there are some plain statements made by the Apostle John characterizing for us the world. How is it that the devil seeks to infiltrate the hearts and lives of people? How is it that he blinds and deceives and ensnares and devours people? Well, John tells us. John talks about, first of all, the lust of the flesh. He said, love not the world, neither the things neither the things which are in the world, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, are not of the Father, but are of the world. Let me just pause here for a minute. What is the lust of the flesh? Well, really, what John is saying is that the lust of the flesh is uncontrolled desire. Now, typically people think about sexual gratification or promiscuity, and I would freely admit that that would fall under that heading. But generically speaking, there are a lot of things that are encompassed under the lust of the flesh. There is, as I mentioned a moment ago, sexual promiscuity, fornication, adultery. But then there is materialism or money, the love of money, the love of material goods. That's why Jesus said, take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. That's why Jesus would say, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven and not on this earth. But money, materialism, power, there are lots of folks in our world today, they have an insatiable appetite when it comes to power. It's all about power for them. It's not about the money. It's about the power. And then what about fame? There are some people, their goal in life is to be famous, and they will, they will literally compromise everything to get what they want. Now, John speaks of the lust of the flesh and then the lust of the eyes. The eyes, of course, are the window into the soul. We talk about visual perception. And it's true that through our vision, we can see things that prompt us to engage in the lust of the flesh. The two go hand in hand. I think about the account of David and Bathsheba in 2 Samuel chapter 11. The Bible says in that context that he saw Bathsheba bathing upon a rooftop. Let me pause here. 
and just make an observation. The devil knows how to make things appealing. And he has done a tremendous job. We talk about advertising today. You ever thought about how many billions of dollars are spent on advertising products? How do we advertise? By radio, by television, by the printed page? There are lots of ways to try to peddle our products to the marketplace. What the devil's trying to do is peddle his products to the marketplace. He can make a lot of things look good, whether it be sexual gratification, alcoholic beverages, some other kind of drug, power, whatever it may be. There are lots of ways to appeal to the flesh through the lust of the eyes. We live in a day and time in which a lot of folks don't think anything at all about stripping down and wearing nothing. Now Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 5 those who look on a woman to lust after her. Please listen very carefully. I know that there are people in the world they don't care about how they dress. But as a child of God we ought to care about how we dress. And if we have young people and I think we have good young people here. We want our young people to exemplify the virtues of New Testament Christianity. There are some folks in this world, there are some mamas and daddies in this world and in the Lord's church. They need to tell their kids, look, you need to put some clothes on. You ever thought about that? If they're not wearing the appropriate Apparel, what does that say? It becomes an enticement and it can lead to a lot of problems. And so we talk about the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. And then John talks about the pride of life. Go back to the Garden of Eden. When, when you look at the serpent appealing to Eve, the Bible says that she saw that the tree was good for food. What do you have there? The lust of the flesh. The lust of the eyes. It had the ability to make one wise. The pride of life. Pride can lead to a lot of problems. And John is identifying the pride of life with the world. Sometimes people become so steeped in pride that they are unwilling to admit their mistakes in life. They become puffed up and arrogant. It's interesting that in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 7, the Apostle Paul speaks of the characteristics of elders. And he said, one of the characteristics of an elder is that he is not to be a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Pride led to the devil's downfall. It can lead to your downfall. Now, there's a second thing I want you to see, and that is the challenge of the world. What is, what is it that challenges us as children of God through the world? 
Number one, conformity. In Romans chapter 12 at verse two, Paul said, and be not conformed to this world. In other words, don't let the world make you one of its own. Don't let the world reshape and refashion you into one of its own. Don't let the world pour you into its own mold. That's the challenge that we face as God's people. Now, is that easy to resist the overtures of the world? No, it's not easy. Why? Because the devil is involved in an ad campaign. He's doing everything he can to circumvent, to destroy our faith. So we've got to resist. The tendency is to what? To conform. To think like the world, to act like the world, to dress like the world, to do what the world does. And so Paul is saying, do not be conformed to this world. And then, let me just tie with that a second problem as we think about challenges. There is the challenge of conformity and once you conform, guess what happens? Compromise is right behind. You see, when you start allowing the world to encroach upon your spiritual life, here's what happens. You start giving up ground to the devil. You start giving it away. And before you know it, guess what happens? The devil is full bore in your life. Here's what Paul said in Ephesians 4 verse 27. Neither give place to the devil. If you give him an inch, he'll take a mile. You give him a mile, he'll take two. Lots of folks have conformed and don't even realize it. And before you know it, they wake up and it's like, how did I get here? You ever been out in the ocean? And as you've been in the ocean, there's this strong undercurrent, undertow. And before you know it, what's happened? You've drifted. That's what happens, that's what happens in the world. You're here, and then before you know it, you're over here. And you don't even realize how it happened. That's why the devil is so subtle and so good at what he does. Because he can move you, and you don't even realize it many times. Now, there's a third thing I want you to see, and that is the declaration about the world. Listen to what John said in 1 John chapter 2, verse 17. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of the Father abideth forever. John here contrasts the ephemeral and the eternal. When we talk about that which is ephemeral in nature, we're talking about that which is temporal, transitory. Here today, gone tomorrow. Now, let me just ask this question. Have you bought into the world? Have you given in to the world? You say, well, maybe I have. And what's the big deal? I want to ask this question. Let's just say that you have a million dollars in the bank and that is your life savings. Would you take that million dollars and invest it in stock or a business 
or some type of corporation, would you invest that money, your life savings, in a stock, a business, a corporation that is destined, it is 100% guaranteed to fail? In other words, it's not going to make it. You put that money in that stock or in that business, and guess what? Three years from now, you don't have a dollar. It's gone. Your answer is absolutely not. I wouldn't do that. I know you wouldn't do it. Why? Because you, you've got some wisdom. You don't just throw money around like that. You want to put your money in something that is safe and secure. You want to make sure that when you invest, you're going to get a return, a yield on your money. Why is it we're careful when it comes to our financial assets, but when it comes to our spiritual lives, we don't think anything about it? We don't want to lose our shirt, but we're not worried about losing our soul. I'm going to tell you what, you can lose your shirt and still go to heaven. You lose your soul, you're in real trouble. John said, the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. John is saying, look, if you bank in this world, and you put everything you have in this old world, and that's what life is all about, you lose. You don't just lose a little bit, you lose everything. Jesus asked this question, what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? So, on the one hand, you have those that are buying into the world. The flip side of that, you have those that are buying into that which is eternal in nature, that which has lasting substance. 200 years from now, 200 years from now, how much is that car going to be worth? Or your house? Or your land? Your stocks and your bonds, your clothes. Everything that you are a steward of today, what's it going to be worth 200 years from now? Well, the point is this. You better lock into that which is eternal. You better make sure that you are buying into that which will last forever. John said that those who love the Father that do his will, listen to me please very carefully, living for God has its rewards. I promise you, it's a blessing to live for God. You live for God, he's going to bless you with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. The Bible says that when you are baptized into Jesus Christ, first and foremost, you are forgiven. You enjoy redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, Ephesians 1.7. You are translated out of the power of darkness and placed into the kingdom of God's dear son. It's in that kingdom that God is the savior and God has promised to save those who are in his body. And those who live faithfully until death, that is, even in the face of death, the promise is the crown of life. Listen, please. You want to go to heaven? There's a price to be paid. It's called denying self and taking up your cross and following him daily. Living for the Lord day in and day out. It's a blessing to be a Christian. It's a joy to be a child of God, to know that one day, We'll be with him in heaven. Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, 
that there were some who were minding earthly things. That's the world. But he said, our citizenship is in heaven. Whence also we wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. What about you today? There are some people that I have known that have become casualties of the world. In 2 Timothy chapter 4 at verse 10, the Bible speaks of Demas. Did you know that at one time Demas was a faithful child of God? He was a fellow servant of the apostle Paul. And yet when Paul wrote his last letter to Timothy in about A.D. 68, Paul said, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. He gave up. He went back to the world. When you go back to the world, you go back to that which is called by Peter pollution, corruption. You don't want to do that. Don't let the world destroy your soul. There is nothing more precious in the eyes of God than your eternal soul. God wants you to be saved. God wants, he wants you to be in heaven. God is for you. I promise you that. He is for you. Paul said, if God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all freely. Christ died for you and me. He died so that we might live eternally. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, I want to urge you, I want to, I want to beg you, think about becoming a child of God. Listen, I understand the world tugs at us daily. And what the devil wants you to do, just stay in an unsaved condition. If you have gone back into the world, the devil wants you to stay in the world. I understand the pull of the world. I understand the appeal of the world. Can you have fun in the world? I'm not going to lie to you. Yes. But it's temporal. It's transitory. And it will fade away. If you've never obeyed the gospel, be baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins. Just like they did on Pentecost Day, Acts 2, verse 38. Let God add you to the church, Acts 2, 47. Be faithful and have the assurance of life eternal. 1 John 5, verses 11 through 13. If you're unfaithful, Come home. Come back home. The Lord wants you to come home as we stand and sing. God.